Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Teamwork, a Better Way podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm joined, as always, by the incomparable Spencer Horn. Spencer, how are you? Great. Good to be with you. Slightly sore this morning. Why are you sore? Is I did that a, a question I should ask or not? I, I did a seven-mile jog slash hike, and I don't know if you call that a jike or a joke, but <clears throat> it was... Uh, we went up to Elephant Rock, and it was such a beautiful night, just a friend and I, and uh, so did my best to, to jog. And that's it. Seven miles is, you know, for an old dude like me, is significant. It's about 6.9 miles, more than I could jog or hike. So I give you major props for that, Spencer. I'm glad you're here with us in in one piece. And, and I am super excited uh, for our guest today because... Me too. Um, and, and I'd like to introduce her. It's Amy Murray. And Amy has worked on, well, gosh, I don't know how many events, but she worked on the Salt Lake 2002 games. And and I also worked on those games. And we connected uh, as I was doing a podcast reminiscing about the Salt Lake 2002 games in the midst of the pandemic when we were all sitting around trying to figure out what we're actually going to be doing for a living after the pandemic hit. But she has worked on some of the biggest events in the world unless you've lived under a rock for the last 20 years and you've never heard of the Super Bowl and you've never heard of Olympic games and you haven't heard of companies like Nike and McDonald's, you know, those are just a few of the uh, amazing uh, events that uh, Amy's worked on. And it's really an honor to have her join our show today. So Amy, welcome. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thank you for having me. Well, and thank you for your patience in dealing with us uh, very um, low-tech people because uh, you've produced some amazing events, particularly uh, after the pandemic, doing things in interesting ways, a lot of virtual events you've done, uh, as well as in-person events. And so maybe to start off with, uh, you can just kind of tell us uh, what you've been working on uh, lately that uh, we might find interesting. Sure. Well, I'm a producer at a company called Show Imaging based out of San Diego. And when the pandemic hit, they immediately pivoted to virtual events. So I was very fortunate to jump in on virtual events right away, right at the beginning. And our company had a studio. We had um, so a very nice big studio like you would do a TV broadcast, but also little studios where you could call in over Zoom, which most people are very familiar with, and produce events that way. So we really learned when the rest of the world were learned how to make events a little bit more engaging for people that were sitting at home, which is not easy. No, it's not easy. I had to do the same thing, you know, in the speaking world. And, you know, people quickly got very tired of, you know, is your camera on? Can you hear me? And, you know, <laughs> the, the, you know, the memes that we see that, and, and, and people are just tuned out, they're checked out. So how do you keep the you know them engaged and and add value so that there's meaning and and really purpose to their call it sacrifice of time right? Yeah, that's the million dollar question. If we had the answer, we would not be here. We would be on some island because we would have made a lot of money. I think the the real there's that's a multi layered question and answer. So we're never going to get people to be engaged if they don't want to be. If they just sign on because their boss said, you've got to attend this, 
and they don't have to turn their camera on. They don't have to ask questions and answer that we can't force someone to be engaged. But what we can do is we can set people up for success. We can tell them what to expect from a meeting. We can tell them what they're going to get out of it, as well as what they themselves should bring to it so that they can add value to the conversation. Well, wait a minute, Amy. That means as leaders, we actually have to have a plan and know what we're going to talk about in advance. Yes. Hard stop. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, that all, all meetings don't go that, you know, that well, and we do meetings awfully poorly. And I think we've trained people to expect our meetings to suck. And, and so that's where some of the disengagement comes from. Well, I, I mean, if you think about it, how many meetings do you have a week that you don't actually have an agenda for? Right. I think the majority, 20. right. The majority of people don't even plan for their normal weekly meetings. So when you have a big meeting, you have an agenda, you think everybody's on the same page, but most of the time people never come together to rehearse or talk through their presentation until the day of or the day before the event and that can be problematic yeah so i'm curious amy like how do you deal with that then as a producer you know uh you are staging events of all different sizes with all different kinds of audiences and so on and so forth but how do you ensure that everybody actually does what they need to do so that the event will actually run smoothly on game day so to speak that's a great question. And I think producers kind of have a reputation for being difficult people. And it's because we ask a lot of questions and we demand answers. And we're always talking about a schedule and a timeline and deadlines. And I need your answer by this time. And, and most of the time, people don't like that kind of uh, pushback or even structure. So I, I think well, earlier you said, Spencer, that you went on a jog, hike, joke. <laughs> the, the, the thing that makes that work, the thing that makes that palatable is you know where the finish line is. You know when you're done. You said it's 7.1 miles. It's the same thing with events. If you know where the finish line is and you work backwards and you create a plan to get there, the trick is once you have that plan, you need to get everybody on board with that plan. And you need to explain to people very clearly with clear direction that in order to get here and be successful, we've got to do these steps. And I would say, once you've got your plan, once you've got your timeline, you have to be rigorous in holding those deadlines. You know, I, I've actually heard that that uh, people in the in the TV world make are really good at meetings because they actually have to think about time segments. And you know, you talked about the end goal, climbing you know seven point one miles, or whatever, and, and that's almost exactly how much it was. <laughs> but they actually work from all right. We've got fifty nine minutes before our next segment, so we're going to count down. We're going to set our clock at fifty nine minutes, and when the when the clock hits, you know. Five, you know, 59 seconds, the meeting ends. So you're counting down. And that's not a, a, a mindset that we often have in it with our meetings. But I think if we do that, hey, listen, we've got places to go. And, and we, we produce our meetings like shows. I think they would go a lot better. I, I agree with you. Also, I think if you put a dollar to each minute and people start understanding, I mean, I get a lot of pushback with oh, yeah. that costs a lot of money. You're right. Just like a college course, it costs a lot of money. And if you don't attend class, 
you waste your money. If you don't attend the meetings prepared, if you don't have an outline, if you don't know where you're going, why are you spending that money? Right. Hey, I, I don't know if you saw that Jean Fahey comment. She was giving you kudos. And so uh, it was on the screen. She says a great point on setting expectations, both in person and virtual meetings. And, and if you're on line anywhere watching us live please share your comments or questions with with amy and with us and and we'll we'll do our best to to share them and, and get them in here i'd like to get to our topic today i mean this this is a this is a great topic um and i think it will help actually having effective meetings will help with with the focus and that is getting more done with less right now and 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 less burnout specifically can i will you indulge me just a minute, Amy and, and Christian. You know, we were talking before, before we got on and have, we're having a little bit of a conversation about the, the flow of show today. And, and, and that's something that I think is wise and, you know, preparing for meetings. And we were talking about this burnout issue was happening far before the pandemic. And that just exacerbated everything. I, I remember being in Springfield, Missouri, and I believe it was 2017 or, or 2018. I was talking to a a, a senior executive group, and there happened to be um, a, a president of of a, of a of a magazine, and she introduced me to one of her editors, and I had a conversation, a coaching call with one of her editors, who was thinking about quitting because they had they had lost a, a, a person, a key person to her department, and what does that do? That for a whole year, that meant they were down one person in that department adding tremendous stress to this one editor to make up the difference. And at that time, she was just burning out. She says, I can't sustain this. Now you fast forward four or five years with the pandemic and with the great resignation, we have hyper uh, it, it, it multiplied that those conditions in the workforce. And we have people and just leaving in droves because they, they've had they've had it up to you know, in German, if anybody from Germany listening, you know, you know, we've had it up to here. They say, my nose is full. Ich habe die Nase full, right? It's just, I've had it up to my, my nose and uh, I, I can't take it anymore. It's not worth it. And so that's creating even more stress on those that are behind to get the work done. And then you add on top of that all the meetings that are useless. We've got a lot of anxiety and burnout and stress in the workplace. Does, does that, is that an okay setup? <laughs> Oh yeah, that's fantastic. So I think I, I read a statistic that we make 35,000 decisions a day. We have 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day. Yeah. So 80% of those thoughts are negative. So I wanna go back to the 35,000 decisions a day. As leaders, as producers, the best thing that we can do for our team is identify a few things. One, identify the finish line. What is it? What does it look like? Two, how are we going to get there? Three, what is your role in getting there? Like, we need to stop having people tread water because they don't know what their job is. They don't know what their deliverables are. That is, talk about up to your nose. Like, can't handle it. Treading water for so long, you get exhausted. So things that we can do as leaders, even as individuals, Going back to what I said earlier, have an agenda for every single meeting you go to. It might not be a meeting that you called, but you better know why you're attending that meeting. 
What do you need to get out of it? And if it's clear going into it, I've got these six questions, send those questions to the team before you even have that meeting so they can be prepared with answers. Like, let's start setting people up to succeed that are around us. Well, how far in advance should they get that notice or that, that agenda so they can prepare? Honestly, any agenda is a good agenda, even if it comes 15 minutes beforehand. But let's give people the opportunity to react and read it. I would say if you have a meeting at eight o'clock in the morning, send it two days before. So people have the time to read it, know what they need to bring to the meeting, as well as ask their questions. And I would also invite people like, hey, if you have any questions about this agenda, please let me know by this time. Do you see Richard's question here? That's such a, what a great comment. What is the definition of a successful meeting for everyone? Really good question because it's going to be different, right? And again, as leaders, as managers, or even just somebody attending, have that conversation, start it off. If you're meeting to meet, give people their time back. If you don't have time to set up an agenda, you don't have time for that meeting. Amy, I had a mentor that said it takes an awfully good meeting than to have no meeting at all. <laughs> fantastic quote. That's a fantastic quote. By the way, full disclosure, Richard is is my friend who climbed seven miles with me last night. <laughs> good job, Richard. Stretch it out, my friend. I would also say, you know, when we're talking about burnout, clear direction. So I'm a producer. I'm not always the boss of everyone. I inherit a lot of different staff, different teams, but it is my job to let them know very simple things. What time do they show up for work? Is there breakfast? Is there not breakfast? So do they have to come already having um, had time for breakfast in the morning? What do they wear to work that day? What's the day going to look like? Here's your schedule. Like I'm answering some questions for them. So they're not having to think about those things. When we do that for our team, it's we're not taking away creativity. We're actually giving them a framework. And once you give people a frame to work in, they can work smarter and faster. And usually they feel better about their work. I'm waiting for Spencer to push a button and he's okay, not pushing the button. Here it goes. <laughs> Yeah, that was a great comment. There's Go ahead, the Christian. button. I, I knew Spencer. I knew you. Well, I actually wasn't, button. and you're like, darn it. Okay, I'm going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, Amy just delivered a great thought there, and uh, that deserves a, an exclamation. And and so here it came. Uh, so I've got a question for you, Amy, or maybe it's kind of a comment uh, and a question in this event space, particularly in Olympic Games. Uh, uh, you know we we fancy ourselves as the organizers of the games who are putting on uh, an event that will and we stage it in a way that maximizes the athletes chances to deliver their very best performance right and so it's all about that and, and for them to be in the optimal uh, conditions to deliver their best performance likewise we as the organizers have to provide an environment for our team, our staff to deliver their best performance. So I'm curious uh, if you have any thoughts about that 
you, you talked about some of the things, you know, just talking about details, like, you know, are we going to have breakfast or not? But what are some of those things that you have done as a producer to ensure that your team is in its optimal condition and game day to deliver its very best performance? That's such a good question. Imagine if we all were operating as Olympic coaches or, uh, you know, world-class coaches. One of the things that I've done, it's, it seems really weird, but I created a glossary of terms for events. And I just said, this is what everything is, what everything, what every word means, slang words, industry terms. I just wanted everybody to be on the same page. I wanted the nomenclature to be the same so that you, Christian, weren't saying one thing. Spencer was saying another thing. You meant the same thing, but it, it took a lot of time to come together and figure it out. So again, providing clarity from the very beginning. I think the second thing that you can do as a coach or a leader is really know your team. Understand their personality types, whether that is um, you wanna do a Myers-Briggs test or Enneagrams, whatever. You need to understand what stresses your team out individually, what um, causes them to not want to get up in the morning and equally like what makes them feel successful you know we had that comment earlier their their definition of success might not be the same as somebody else on the team and then i think finally you've got to be really clear that together everybody has a great event everybody has a great event but if one person doesn't then we have failed because we, it's collectively, we've got to make sure everyone is winning. I, I love those comments. And, and I just want to put an exclamation on what you said. You know, you said you were talking about the 35,000 decisions that we have to make every day. And this is important because of how our brains work. Uh, the, the, our brains use so much energy. So I, I don't know if those of you who are listening, and thank you, Charlotte, uh, 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 excuse me, Julie from Charlottesville saying hi, and, and Garazimos from Greece. We got people all over the world listening. Um, but the brain uses so much of the body's energy. If you've ever been at the office and hadn't felt like you done, did anything physical, but you come home and you are physically exhausted, that's an example of how the brain just uses so much of our energy. And so what does it do? It creates neural pathways to reduce that drain of energy, so to speak. And so any decision that can be automated and you don't have to think about brushing our teeth or anything like that is designed to save energy. And what I heard you say, Amy, is that when you plan your meetings with that in mind, with your team in mind, with reducing the decisions they have to make and what is it going to be about, what's going on, they don't have to invest energy in, in stress and everything else. And it allows them to preserve that for creativity and other things. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And again, as leaders, we better be thinking, what do we want people to walk away from this meeting with? Have they learned something? Have we shared information that is going to make other people's jobs easier? Have we inspired other questions? So again, you shouldn't just meet to only meet because that's what your team does every Tuesday at 11. You wanna be sure that you're moving forward. It's sort of like training for a marathon, right? You don't go out and run 26 miles on day one. 
You might not even run a mile on day one. You might walk a mile, but you know that you're going to get to the point where you're at 26. But there's um, milestones along the way. And as a leader, you better know what those milestones are and you better know how to push your team forward. Okay, so so you, I, I'm sorry to keep interrupting, but so I'm, I'm having lots of ahas, Christian. I, you know, you got to just jump in when, when you're dealing with me. But so, so something else that comes to mind, Amy, is that the meeting, if everybody knows their part, I heard you say that, if everyone knows what their contribution is going to be and they come prepared, then the meeting can actually be productive. So this is key to our thesis today because doing more with less means that in that meeting, because as what I normally hear happen is, is that I can't get the work done because I'm in a meeting. Yes. And so I'm putting energy or I'm just, I'm, I'm preserving energy. I'm checked out. And, and so I'm just coming and listening to, it's like, you know, the Peanuts cartoons, wah, 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 wah. But if you come to this meeting with an agenda and an expectation and what your contribution is going to be, you're actually getting work done in the meeting so that when you leave that yes. meeting, stuff is actually moved forward, which is the purpose of the meeting. And that's yes. what I heard you say. Does that, yeah. is that right? That's a hundred percent. Like what decisions have been made that we're taking off our plate, right? Have, and again, usually one decision has a trickle down effect. It impacts a lot of people. Yes, Tim, have a plan for the day, for the week, for the month. Don't wing it. If we are planning, if we are really structured, then when we get to the event, you know what happens? You're not planning you're enjoying the event. You're watching your audience enjoy the event. You're taking it in. You're making notes like that was really great. And that just happened by accident. So you have to rigorously plan beforehand. Like there's a term rigorous honesty, like in meetings, you better have some rigorous honesty where you're saying that's not going to work. Or I love that idea, Spencer, let's add this. But that happens in the meetings, or at least it should be happening in the meetings, so that when you're in the production itself, those conversations and decisions have been made so that in that moment, people are having these aha experiences. Oh, yeah, Richard, it's so okay not to have a weekly meeting. 100%. And again, as a leader, maybe you want to plan for that. Maybe you want everybody to have that 60 minute, 45 minute, 30 minute meeting on your calendar. And on the day of you say, Hey guys, we're not meeting. What I really want you to do today is reconcile, reconcile your expenses. Cause nobody does that. <laughs> what a great, that's awesome. Right? I'm giving you permission to just turn in your expense report. Here's time. Here's time. And there's another thing that I want to be really sure that we talk about. And that is, it has to do with burnout. People burn out also because they feel like they're not being heard. I'm going to pause because I want everybody to think about that. People burn out. They stop. Yes. Yes. They, people stop contributing because they don't feel like their voice has been heard. So as a leader, you need to be watching out for that. Oh, Jules, yeah. My staff wanders aimlessly without a weekly meeting. That's funny. I can't wait. They, yes, 
But but I bet Jules, I bet your staff will say, I don't have time to fill in a blank. I don't have time to do that. So I think if you say we're not having a meeting this week, this is your opportunity to fill in this 30 minute gap with the thing you can't get done. Or, or don't give me an excuse. So, you know, can I, I, I want to share just a little uh, data that just came out last Tuesday. This was a study done by Deloitte of 5,000 women. And, and, you know, we, and I'm so glad we have your perspective as a, uh, a professional that represents, you know, some of these hardworking professionals. And the survey was done in 10 countries and it found just a burnout epidemic. So imagine, you know, being a, a working mother with children too young, for example, to get the, the uh, you know, the vaccine and, and what the stress mm -hmm. that causes of having to keep them at home and work and be on all the time. So you add that and what they said is eight in 10 women are basically feel that their workload has increased since the start of the pandemic. Job satisfaction has dropped significantly and many women have, have uh, considered leaving their jobs or the workforce altogether. And 53% experienced more stress than a year ago. Now that even the, the pandemic is, is less today, they're still experiencing more stress. They have no work-life balance. And part of the reason is, is that We've had so much conversation about work-life balance and balancing and working hybrid, but only one-third of these women uh, surveyed say that their companies are actually doing anything about it. And it says that 94% fear that asking for flexibility could lead to restrictions in their, in their career advancement. And so they're not asking. And so they're stressing out even more because they're afraid that if they ask for that flexibility, they need to, to work from home or or do what they, they're losing out. And 64% say um, they're being, ex no, 60% in hybrid situations say they're being excluded from certain opportunities and in, in meetings. And so they're actually hurting their careers. And so the stress and anxiety is increasing. What what do you say to, to those things? And we have more comments and I'll, I'll, I'll throw them out there when, when I can. I hope you don't mind. No, I love it. That's very real. And it's real for women with children, it's real for women without children. It's, it's, it's a very important thing to identify and to talk about and hopefully find solutions. So if you're someone who is thinking it's going to be better for me to have a hybrid situation, I want to work in the office two days a week and work from home three days a week. I think you figure out what that looks like for you. Does it look like I'm actually going to get online at seven o'clock in the morning because I get a lot done between seven and nine. Nobody's emailing me or slacking me or texting me or any of the ways that they can communicate with me. I can just focus in. And then again, it kind of goes back to your, your training for a marathon. Like what's your plan and how are you going to work this plan? How is it going to be successful for you? Because I guarantee if we think about what we need to get done, if we break it down and we put it into buckets, we might not need to be working 50, 60, 70, sometimes 80 hours a week. And as, as leaders, you better be looking at what is on somebody's plate. What are their deliverables? And if it really takes them 50 hours to deliver that, it's your responsibility to help them either prioritize or take something away like that it's a new world 
you know, I, this is, I, I actually have a son-in-law, Christian. I know you got to, you got to say something, but we, I was just talking to my, I went to lunch with my daughter yesterday and, and he's a, 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 a new attorney and he's doing a great job, but he's working 70 hours a day <laughs> and the position is quite new. And so the associates, they get paid so much more and, and the associates are pushing down a lot of work to the, the, you know, these, these younger attorneys. And they're saying, have work-life balance and just don't, just don't do the work. And he's like, I am so stressed if I don't get the work done because that means everything will stack up and not, I have to work until eight, nine o'clock at night just to make sure I clear my, my agenda. I, I, I don't have the option to not get it done because if I don't, it will, it, it, my life will be miserable. That, it, because they, to your point, they don't understand the demands they're actually putting on their team because it's, it's still a new role and they're figuring it out. So you're tapping into something that I find. Oh, sorry, Christian. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, Amy. He's used to it with me. Sorry, Christian. (laughs) We, what we don't do well anymore is we don't mentor new staff. We don't mentor them and we don't have toolkits for them when they start the job. So we just say, hi, welcome. Here's your desk. Sometimes we say, here's your computer. Sometimes they're working with their own equipment. Like we just don't take the time because again, we don't have the time and we're short staffed. So if I was a leader in a company and I had some uh, ability to play with budget, one of the things I would do immediately is I would hire a freelancer to create templates and toolkits. Create whatever it is that you think your team is gonna use regularly so that everybody is singing off the same song sheet. So use the same template for fill in the blank. Don't make somebody create a new template when you're just going to come back and say, I'm going to change that anyway. My team is empowered to turn off outside office hours. Yeah, I think that's a Julie. That's really great. That's really great. And, and I think included in your onboarding, I think you need to explain to people and my boss does this every Saturday morning. I know he's at the office. It's the only time he is alone. Five hours, nobody's bothering him, which means my email gets stacked up with his answers, questions. And if I don't, I feel like if I don't look at it on Sunday night, Monday morning, I'm just going to be slammed. And he wants answers by 10 o'clock in the morning. I think we need to start encouraging people you can work on the weekend, but put all your emails into drafts in the Monday morning. Like we we have to be really good and fastidious about um, supporting people being off work. And then again, back to what I said, like let's come up with a way to really set people up for success. And finally, to kind of put an end cap on that, check in with people that are new. And I mean, like when they're on the job two weeks, like, hey, how's your first two weeks been? Any red flags? And if they say, oh, I've just had my head down and I've been busy, it's kind of a red flag. If they say, I feel like I haven't done anything the last two weeks, that's kind of where you want them to be. You want them to have been reading things. You want them to be learning about the culture. Where do you find things in your box or your drive, right? Like. Give people the opportunity to be successful. I, I want to come back to something that you said a few minutes ago, Amy, 
uh, which was about uh, people feeling like they haven't been heard or haven't had an opportunity to be heard. Uh, so an hour before this podcast, I was conducting an interview uh, as part of my kind of professional corporate job. Uh, I was conducting an interview with an individual that is a senior in an organization who for the last two years has been working his tail off uh, through this pandemic. And uh, as I was asking him the questions, he actually broke down and started crying and said, this is the first time in two years that anybody's ever really asked me about this. And it's the first time that I've actually taken a step back to reflect on what's happened over the last two years. And it's overwhelming. And, and, you know, sometimes when it comes to the burnout, we, we get so involved in doing our daily thing and we, we have so many things to do that um, maybe we don't give people time to reflect mm -hmm. on, on things and, and, uh, or do, or maybe we don't provide a safe space uh, for them to do that. But I'm curious in your experience over the last two years, how you have dealt with people who have struggled through this pandemic physically, emotionally, mentally, and how you can help your team members through this uh, really unprecedented uh, time that we're living in? That's a great question. And I think potentially it's a different answer for different people, but I would say the number one thing to helping people get through anything is connecting with them. And it's exactly what you did. It's checking in with them and asking them how they're doing. Some people don't love answering that question. So maybe it's as simple as saying, when you see people on a Zoom in the chat, like, nice to see you. It's very simple, but doesn't it make you feel good? So there's, there's a few um, emotional things that we're talking about here. One, seeing people where they're at hearing people, and I'm not saying read between the lines, but I am saying give people space to either be quiet, think about their response, or even be able to pause before they come back to it. And then going back to what I started with, like you can check in with your teammates, your colleagues, just a text message, a joke of the day, Maybe you're somebody who likes to make, this is me, I like to make Spotify playlists and I send them to people. Now, is that me talking to them? It's not, but I'm trying to send them something that I think will bring light to their world. If you really wanna dive deeper and get into a more um, productive conversation with your staff, I think you're talking about one-on-one -on -one meetings where there's a few things you're trying to accomplish. The first one being, I'm checking in on how you feel about your job and your success here. And then second, I'm checking in on how you're feeling in relation to the world, because it has changed 180 from where it was even six months ago. So we're, we're talking about lots of change in a world that feels almost unmanageable. So the, the best thing that we can do for our people, our colleagues, ourselves, is focus on what we can control. 
you know, great, great advice. And, and uh, Hisham uh, made a comment. He's all the way from Beirut, Lebanon. So people talking all from all over the world, we're so glad you're, you're joining us. And um, one of the things that, that I have found personally, so, so you're talking about what we can do as leaders, but, you know, we, we spend a little bit of time talking about, you know, we're trying to get it down to where we're talking maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds beforehand what we've, you know, climbed a, a mountain. But research has shown that just getting outside for 20 minutes a day, and I don't care if you go up in the mountains, it can be any green space close to your home or your office, you know, it can be in a lawn, just sitting still, listening to birds, walking slowly. I like to go for, for hikes and it does so much to relieve stress, to uh, regulate your heart rate, to um, reduce inflammation and soothe yeah. and calm the mind 20 minutes a day. So I, I used to, Amy, um, I used to go mountain biking almost every day. But in the beginning, it, when, I, when I started my business, I almost felt guilty because I'm spending this time on myself. Mm -hmm. But what I found was I had literally, when I shut everything off, I'd listen to podcasts and, you know, put in my, uh, you know, just go out and ride. And all these ideas started flooding to me. And I found that that time was actually brilliantly productive because I would come back with all these ideas and I would be excited and, and regenerated. I think what you're talking about, there's a term called forest bathing. And it's simply that going out in nature, turning your face to the sun, like just the mere act of closing your eyes and feeling the sun on your face absolutely can change your perspective. And I think that's what you're talking about, Spencer. Like you're talking about clearing your mind, being open to different thoughts, love new hobbies, yeah, exactly. Like giving, going back to your team, like, I think it is important to understand what is it that helps your team, including yourself, disconnect from work so that you can shed all those thoughts and make room for solutions, make room for ideas, exactly what you were saying. Like, you're never going to think of that idea hour 25 with clutter and noise and all the I can't get everything done because we're so stressed literally we can't think because of all the 35,000 decisions that are coming on yeah we actually have to create that space of of man I'm glad I'm I'm relaxed right now yeah and that is hard to do right now with everything that's going on and so what we're saying is you'll actually be more productive if you create that that white space uh-oh how did you get muted? I, I muted myself because uh, <laughs> there was a loud noise. Uh, somebody out there was doing some work or whatever, and so I muted it so it wouldn't come through my microphone, so I apologize. But to create this, uh, yeah, I think we now need to give everybody an opportunity to go get some sun and uh, see the sun on their face. So we're going to have to wrap up here because we're up against it. But um, uh, before we conclude, Amy, do you have any final thoughts that you want to share? I think my final thought is around burnout. You're responsible for your own lack of burnout. So exactly what you were saying, Spencer, figure out what it is that allows you to have your own personal white space. If it's going on a jog, if it's walking, I have a dog that I love to walk. If it's 
swimming or simply going outside for 20 minutes, figure out what that is. Be responsible for yourself because sometimes our managers can't do it for us. Spotify playlists, listen to them. Absolutely. I want to, I want to subscribe to one of these playlists or I want to get one of these playlists from you. I'll send you one. I'll send you one. Okay. Amy, if people want to learn more about uh, what you're doing or they want to connect with you, if they want to contact uh, you, understand what you're doing with events or, or, or just, you know, make a connection, what's the best way for them to reach out to you? I'm on LinkedIn and it's, my name is Amy Joe Murray or Amy J Murray. And my email is my name, Amy Joe Murray at Gmail. Feel free to email. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Amy. And Spencer, if people want to reach out to you, uh, what's the best way for them to contact you? Uh, website, altiumleadership.com. That's A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com. You can chat with me there. You can you can reach me there. We've got some more comments. Again, Hisham from Beirut. What amazing. And thank you so much for joining us. And... Um, and then Andy Williams says the don't burn out playlist. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Thanks. So you'll make that. Great. Uh, connect with, uh, with, with Amy, Andy on, on LinkedIn. That would be fabulous. Christian, uh, you know, I, I have to highlight him cause he always has the best questions. Doesn't he, Amy? He's, he's yeah. such a, th you've known him for a lot of years. I've known him for many, many years as well. He's such a thoughtful and, and incredibly smart person. And, and I consider him just, I, I love this guy. And so how do people get a hold of you and, and um, Christian and all the great work that you're doing? Well, I'm blushing, but I'll blame it on the red shirt that I'm wearing. <laughs> uh, so uh, people can reach me on LinkedIn. Uh, just look for Christian Napier on LinkedIn. You'll find me. Uh, and you can email me at uh, raconto.io, Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, at raconto, R-A-K-O-N-T-O, dot I-O. And uh, Amy, it was a pleasure to see you. And uh, shout out to Andy for the playlist. <laughs> uh, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for joining our show today. We really appreciate it. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Oh, we have another guest next week. Uh, and oh, who's our guest? Oh my, it's Quinn Jones. And we're going to be talking about dealing with teamwork with the, with introverts. I mean, it, so if you're someone that's introverted, how do you deal with just, you know, you want to be working me up. Right, right. And so that's what we're going to be there. talking about next week. So, so here's to your point, Amy, planning ahead, right? I love it. And I want to watch that one. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Christian. Here it comes. <laughs>